Welcome back, guys. You're listening to the Watts Podcast, World of Athletic Therapy, Training, and Sports. My name is Luke, and I'm here along with Tyler, Rich, and Joseph. We're back! Woo! Yeah, so we're on to episode number nine, almost uh, reaching ten. We'll probably have a little anniversary when that comes by. Um, And uh, so if you haven't checked out all the other episodes, make sure you go on iTunes, Google Play Music, um, Spotify, it's the Watts Podcast with a double T. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our Podbean website. Uh, so we've got a pretty cool guest today, as always. Uh, Rich, do you want to do the introduction? Absolutely. So today we have a very special guest. We have Anthony Teoli. He's a physiotherapist who graduated from McGill University in 2016. Um, he's a currently returning to complete his PhD uh, with a focus on knee osteoarthritis research and knowledge translation. Uh, a really big thing also about Anthony is that he's the founder and president of Info Physiotherapy, and you're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Twitter and LinkedIn as well. So, And I believe on Facebook you're up to 15,000 likes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we just hit 15,000 maybe uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, so that's definitely a huge feat. So we're going to be talking a bit about uh, social media on this episode. Absolutely. So, um, so, very, so yeah. yeah. So thank you very much. It's very excited to have you here. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank, thank you for having me. It's time. a pleasure. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you for your time. So, uh, Anthony, if you could, uh, other than what he already mentioned, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, what what have you done since you graduated? Sure. So um, I graduated from uh, McGill University in 2016. Um, and since then, I've worked in private practice as a physiotherapist. I worked for about a year uh, and then switched to work somewhere else as well. And maybe as of six months ago, I started also doing home visits. Uh, So I also do uh, physiotherapy. I mean, I go to people's houses and I'll provide physiotherapy in that case as well. Um, So that's something I've been doing as well on the side. And um, actually right after graduating, I graduated in October, started work in November and maybe in December that's when I actually started working on info physiotherapy. Um, not in the sense of what it is now, but more just in terms of social media. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Okay. So I essentially just started with a uh, like a blog, Google Blogspot, and um, started writing articles and uh, posting about the latest research. It's something that I enjoyed doing, and I figured why not kind of share that if i'm going to read them anyway why not summarize that and share that with others who might not have as much time to read articles and stuff like that so they could stay up to date so that's essentially how it started the humble beginnings and then it kind of grew from there afterwards it's like knowledge translation yeah essentially so i wanted to know uh when you're going through physio school um you you have like you choose a few specializations or you do a few like uh, residencies um so the way it works you have four clinic well mcgill at least uh you have four clinical placements two of seven weeks two of eight weeks you have to have done one in in cardiorespiratory physiotherapy one in neurological physiotherapy and one uh, in orthopedics so the fourth one could be a repeat like i did i did two private practice because I knew that that's where I wanted to go. Um, but you have to, and in, uh, within that, you have to do one outpatient, one inpatient, one rehab center. Okay. So it all kind of fits in. Some of them might double up. You might like check off two things with one clinical placement. Mm. And um, you don't necessarily specialize per se, but what you do have are complementary courses that you decide to choose. Okay. So if you want to head more towards the um, 
kind of sports and on-field physio, then you would take that complementary course. If you want to head more towards oncology, then you could take that complementary course or manual therapy, you would take that complementary course, essentially. Okay. Uh, you just, you mentioned one uh, outpatient, inpatient, like what do you, what, what do you mean by that? Like, okay. I don't know what that so is. inpatient uh, essentially means anyone who's in a hospital staying in a hospital. Uh, okay. And outpatient means that they're coming to the hospital from the outside. Okay. Um, yeah. So they're they're not actually staying in that hospital. So um, it's a little different because the inpatient ones, like I was on the trauma unit at the Montreal General, and uh, oh, cool. it's a little more intense than outpatient. Um, you, also, it's post op too, so that's why it's inpatient. They stay, and then if they come in for rehab after, it's a different department. Okay. Like they'll come from outside to the hospital. Sure. Um, I just want to know, <clears throat> just kind of backtracking a bit, because we have a lot of students that come into our program and they're. They kind of get, um, I guess, lost once they're in the program because they're like, oh, what am I doing here? Like, what did I want to do originally? Uh, like, since when did you know you were going to head towards, like, physiotherapy or, like, before your undergrad or when? Like, wh how did that happen? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think it started early on. I think it was even in CGEP uh, where I started knowing. Um, I had some experience with physiotherapy, my mother as well. Um, and then from there, I kind of just found it so fascinating. And I really liked um, the science behind it and kind of how much time you get to spend with the patient. So it's not as rushed. Uh, it felt a little more. Um, I enjoyed that that kind of patient interaction, the interaction I had with my with my physio. So I figured I, I think I ended up thinking like this is something I could definitely do later on. Um, and then after, as I was doing CGEP, I started kind of checking off my boxes because you know I would take calculus and I'm like I can't stand this <laughs> and then I would take physics and I'm like this is okay but I can't do this for the rest of my life and then I would take anatomy and I'm like it just blew my mind and I was like I, I didn't I was studying and I was having fun and I enjoyed it so much biology I loved um, so I, I definitely knew at that point like I had to redirect towards the health sciences and then from there it was a question of choosing what and then um, so I applied to kinesiology and I applied to physio got accepted into kinesiology and got accepted into physio and then I chose physio and as an undergrad you're saying as an undergrad yeah okay. And uh, so at the end of, uh, of your master's, you do a thesis and you chose to do your thesis on osteoarthritis. Was it um, that? Yeah. So during your uh, our master's is a professional master. So it's a little different from a research master's. Mm -hmm. A professional master's um, allows you to practice. So the th it's not actually a thesis. It's a non-thesis research project. So it's four months of uh, pretty full-time research. And you essentially get a bunch of different research projects and you rate them from one to five in terms of what you would prefer and then uh, you get paired with uh, and mine happened to be with some with my current supervisor who I had already done a research project with in my bachelor's and it was also on uh, knee osteoarthritis and then for the PhD now that's thesis and that was something I decided to do uh, a year and a half later. So you nice. said you would practice while you're doing your thesis as in like how you like treat like patients and stuff? Yeah, so uh, I mean, I'm reducing my hours. I won't be doing as much, but I will be treating a bit. I've always wanted to keep that um, keep that interaction with the patients as well, just because the reason for doing the PhD is because working in practice uh, has allowed me to ask questions that I've realized we don't have all the answers to, and that's that's where the inspiration came from. So um, I don't want to lose that, that touch, and then after, I'd like to still practice to be able to, like if you're conducting the research, I'd like to still have that touch with clinical practice to be yeah. able to apply it and integrate it and see how it fits well, and is it, is it clinically relevant, and um, is it something that's easy for clinicians to implement into their practice daily, and so uh, just to not lose that touch as well. So going back on kind of being active on social media, is that something that you were kind of already doing uh, when you were still in school? Because um, I know that I had read an article 
a while back where you had interviewed uh, Donald Bomford, yeah. who's uh, part of the medical staff of the Montreal Canadiens as a physiotherapist. And I only realized recently that you had actually written that article because um, last year I had the chance to interview for an internship with the with the Habs. And I was kind of like trying to do some research before going to the inter into my interview. So I found uh, that article. Is that something that you had done during school? Um, to be honest, I, <laughs> the timeline's a little fuzzy, but I do believe, I do believe that I was a student at the time. I had started, I maybe started the blog a little earlier than I, than when I graduated. I think the social media page only came about after I graduated. Okay. I think that's what it was. Uh, the blog, I think I started earlier and, um, was that an info physiotherapy blog or was yeah, that? So yeah. So it was a, it was an info physiotherapy dot blogspot.com, which okay. is no longer active. So it was a Google blog. It was free. Okay. So it was the easiest way to kind of be able to write articles and, okay. and, and not really have to pay for something. It's, um, so that was, that was one of the, my uh, options at the beginning. And, uh, that was actually really interesting because, um, Donald, where he used to work, um, I had been there a couple of times and, uh, so I, I, I emailed him and, uh, I asked him if he'd be willing to kind of do an interview and he was like, yeah, that would be awesome. He's like, can you come to the clinic? So, um, it was kind of one of those things where, um, he was such a big inspiration. Everything he's accomplished is such a, and he's such a great guy too. So from that, it was, I, I'm like, I'll just ask and see what he says. And he was super psyched about it, brought me to the clinic and we chatted for like an hour and a half and then I recorded it and kind of transcribed it and made it into, uh, made it into the, the blog post that it is now. Mm -hmm. what and made you want to start it though like your the the blog oh well like yeah when you're a student you started blog um that's actually a great question um i i have always loved writing uh it's something that i've always enjoyed and um i've always been kind of pushed by family and they're like you know you should you should kind of start something you, you have a lot of knowledge you should you, know, you should share that with everyone because it's so easy to do so online yeah, yeah. um and you know there's not all that many trustworthy resources i think a lot of things get complicated with google so uh having more kind of evidence-based um, resources just kind of helps anyone, whether it's a healthcare professional or even patients, navigate that a little easier. Um, so from there, it was just kind of... Combining the two. Yeah, essentially. So I just wanted to... I, I loved writing, and I'm like, you know what? Let's try and write articles about things that I know about and that I'm comfortable writing about. And then from there, it grew and grew and grew. And then um, now we're summarizing research practically on a daily basis and kind of sending it out for people. So you said you started out with the Google blog. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's something that... like. Um, all students that would want to do like they'd be able to do because it's free yeah um so like when you moved towards uh like when you moved away from that did you did you have to like start working with a web designer or how did like how does one move from a Go google block to like a cooler yeah. looking so um that's actually a great question i um when you're in the startup phases it's not always easy so you kind of you become the jack of all trades for a little bit mm -hmm. um and initially I, i ended up getting a wordpress website uh and reserving a domain name and all uh and to be honest it was super user-friendly i designed most of it myself and it was uh i didn't really have too much trouble there were certain things that i couldn't figure out how to do and but they weren't like dramatic it was wordpress wordpress okay. yeah uh, but there's tons there's uh there's wix um, there's a there's a ton of other ones as well um i chose on wordpress because from what i'd read it was super user-friendly uh very easy to build all based on like the plugins and stuff like that so i thought it was i was like okay let's give it a try and from there i, I everything that i wanted to do i googled it i was just like okay how to do this and then you get a youtube video saying here's a step-by-step -step on how to do this perfect okay next step now i need to do this then you'd google it and the cool. same process so there's a lot of free resources on the internet the only time i ever hired a web developer was a little more recently when we launched the educational website because that was um i needed a little more customization and But that was still on wordpress or still on wordpress okay. 
Uh, we designed it uh, on a off-site hosting website that's okay. free and then it's not active but it's free and then after you transfer it all okay. so that's essentially what we did and uh, so that people don't see you like designing the website right, as yeah. they come back right. so because then it's really obvious um but yeah so, so that's essentially what we did and that's the only time I, I really hired a web developer just because i needed a little more customization there was things that i'm like if i'm gonna launch an educational website this is how i want it to look and yeah. can you make it look that way and then he did a fantastic job that's cool so I know I read one of uh, the more recent blog posts and it was uh, you were highlighting the importance about uh, being searchable on the internet. And I wanted to ask you, like, how important do you think it is for anybody like us, anybody who's going to be graduating to become a clinician, a healthcare professional? How important do you think it is to be searchable on the internet, whether it be just a Google search or even having just your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, um, that's that's an incredibly important question that I think is a little under. Um, it's not something that's really talked, spoken about much in school, how to market yourself and everything, because you are in that you are in that business. Yeah, uh, essentially, whether we like it or not. And um, it's incredibly important, especially for people coming out of school. Those who already have 15, 20 years experience, they have a lot of that word of mouth. And, you know, their, their schedules will fill themselves just from people they've seen in the past who liked their experience and who will go back. But for those starting off, it can be a little slow. Um, and a lot of times the marketing whether it's for your own company or for your like individual practice like if you decide to do home cares or individual visits and stuff like that either one is is crucial to be marketing yourself online because that's um that's how people really choose places if they've never heard of a physio place they're gonna google physiotherapy on let's say google maps they're gonna get look at the maybe three four closest nearest them and they're gonna probably take a look at the google reviews that's number one usually and um, that's just one option other ones they're gonna ask friends and ask you know where did you enjoy your experience? So it's just important because a lot of times before asking, people will do a bit of their own research and the first thing they'll do is Google it, whatever comes up. So yeah, when I, uh, I did a little experiment when I Googled my name, um, I, I like the first, I believe last time I checked with the first page was my LinkedIn profile. There was some Facebook, there was info physiotherapy. There was some uh, guest blog post that I had done for someone else. So if someone by any chance searches me, they have every single possible way to contact me and it just pops up because that's what's ranked the highest on on uh, on google so i think any any new grad should definitely be focusing on that they should be definitely on linkedin uh facebook as well uh if they're planning on doing i think any healthcare professional as a whole should have their own facebook page um just because their own facebook business page because um, the way i kind of see it is whether you're an athletic therapist whether you're a physiotherapist whether you're an osteopath chiropractor whatever it is a kinesiologist you work for a company yes but at the same time you are your own healthcare professional and you can market yourself um i, I mean that's something obviously you'd run by your superiors just to be like look this is you know what i'm doing or whatever it is but i mean you are your own healthcare professional so um you can market yourself with the business facebook page because sometimes the companies have their own way of marketing and it might not match with yours etc so yeah. um either way if they're marketing and you're marketing yourself even if you work only work for a clinic and you don't have an individual practice that's two ways people can see you um so i definitely would consider that um twitter's I use more for staying up to date with research. There's a lot of interesting conversations on Twitter. Yeah. So it's really, really cool to kind of contribute to discussions. And and um, one thing I've, I've used Twitter for, I did a couple of experiments. I had some questions. I remember it was on uh, tendinopathy, I think, and I just tweeted to Jill Cook. And I was like, um, what are your top three articles to read on tendinopathy? And she's like, within 24 hours, she just sent me a list. And that just blew my mind. That's super cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Anyone on there is super accessible. You ask them a question within 24 hours, mm -hmm. if they're active yeah. for the most and part. I think, yeah, it doesn't get, get mentioned like enough, like yeah. students especially. Like If you're into research, just go on Twitter. 
because yeah. everyone thinks like Twitter is outdated and it's oh for, my like, god, no. people. But it's Twitter's like, my favorite for uh, people yeah, posting stuff. Like my big. feed is just gold. Every time I, I I learn something new, every time I go yeah. to Twitter, yeah. I just love it. Same thing with like Instagram is. I don't think it's on the same level, but uh, there's still a lot of great uh, clinicians that are on Instagram sharing a lot of great content. And mm-hmm. like one of the first things I always tell like younger students to do is go on Instagram, make sure you follow this person, this person, this person. And like you can often comment stuff and they're going to answer right back to you. And like it's this one of the coolest things um, like there was a, there's Mike Reinald. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him. Yeah, of course. He has his own uh, his, like his short podcast, like 15 minutes. Like I sent in a question one day. I was like, oh, I'll see if, if ever he decides to answer it. And like one day I'm listening. And it's like so we have a question from Richard from Montreal. I'm like, no way. That's, that's me. Awesome. And it was like this this coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah. that he, it was just exactly as if he, I was asking him directly that question. Um, so it's really you could really interact with uh, some cool people on Instagram and often again you could just ask for some research articles if ever they're sharing stuff uh, they usually do that pretty quickly yeah they're super super responsive and I think uh, I mean they're really just like a lot of people are there really to help it's, yeah. it's really an awesome environment on Twitter um, Instagram is another great one um, if, if it's marketing your individual practice um, it also depends who you're marketing to True. and um, to be honest, I, I have my preferences Facebook for marketing your own practice. Um, Instagram for stuff like selling products specifically, like I don't know if you have like physiotherapy shirts or mugs and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Like that's 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 what Instagram is great for. Um, or exercise videos and those kinds of things to build a following. That's fantastic. Uh, but it's hard to, to it's hard to build a um, a following based on let's say a private clinic. Okay. It's just I don't find. I mean, it's a little more difficult. Facebook is a little more responsive to that too. Okay. Is it because you th- feel people are a bit more engaged on Facebook? Um, I think it's it's just each each platform has their pros and cons, and uh, I think from from a business standpoint, if you're a private practice, uh, I think it's great. I mean, if you post like testimonials or or um, you post pictures of like, let's say if you did a, a presentation for a certain patient population or and that kind of stuff that that's great for publicity purposes mm. um, I wouldn't put all my, my my eggs in that basket per se though I would still focus a lot on on uh, Facebook business because it's it's still pretty huge yeah yeah and also um, I would do both essentially just because you're catering to different audiences and Instagrams for certain things less for others and Facebook's for more things and okay. less for others now so like clearly clearly you have some experience with uh, the social media business um, how was it? What was the kind of timeline when you had first started? Did it come as easily or were they there? Not at all. <laughs> I was stuck at uh, 250 followers for six months. Um, not stuck at. I mean, I had attained 250 followers by six months and it wasn't budging. Uh, and then um, three months, was it three or four months later, I was at like 5,000. And then a couple of months later, I went up to 10. Uh, and then it like skyrocketed to 15. It's been slower from 10 to 15 just because Facebook tweaked their algorithm. So it's okay. a, it's it's reducing the amount of reach that business Facebook pages have now, yeah. which is why a lot of people have, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but they, a lot of people have been using a lot more Facebook groups to interact yeah. with people yeah. because Facebook groups, what you'll, uh, from what I've understood, it's, it's kind of complicated, but what, from what I've understood, they tend to prioritize um, Facebook groups because that's something you're actively engaged yeah. in versus a business Facebook page. So they, my, uh, my reach, I don't have a percentage in terms of like how much it's decreased, but it's taken and it, taken a big hit. So I've had to work a little harder to keep okay. the, the numbers up. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to clear it up, but for people who don't know, just because you're liking, uh, any Facebook page, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to always see whatever that yep. page, uh, posts. Okay. Um, yep. So then to get from 250 of like yeah, 5,000, what was, 
what the changes you get were you making? Indian followers? Um, <laughs> a, a lot. I get a lot of uh, friend requests, messages, DMs, uh, likes from uh, from uh, from out there. But it's uh, it's it's great to see because a lot of the messages are actually fantastic. It's a lot of people who are very interested in learning, eager to learn, and uh, and that, I think that's the beauty of of the social media. I mean, a lot of people have negative things to say about it, but I think it's great to be able to interact with people from around the world and to hear their stories. I've had people from, I believe it was China, um, and he told me his whole class was following my page because they loved the content, and I I had no idea I'd gotten that far. (laughs) And that was when I was at 250 followers. Uh, and I was almost about to pull the plug because I'm like, I've been putting so much work in and like, I don't see anything from it. And it's, it's becoming, you know, it was a real struggle. And I'm like, it just wasn't um, super motivating to see that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, it w- yeah. things weren't growing to the extent that I wanted them to. Um, and then I think it just picked up some traction. I did a couple of guest blog posts for different people, The Running Physio, one of them uh, that I, I can remember. Um, and uh, I started interacting a lot more with people. So I was a little less in my own bubble trying to focus on my page, but okay. I was um, sharing other people's content too that I thought would benefit my followers. And then they're like, oh, thanks for sharing. And I'm like, then we start talking and we're like, oh, okay, we have so much in common. And then like now you start building all these relationships with oh, with people in Canada, US, around the world. And now it's kind of been this this big, beautiful family of, of people eager to kind of focus on knowledge translation yeah. and um it's just great to be able to talk to like you just message them and they're halfway around the yeah, world yeah. and they just still message you back and yeah. you just talk about random stuff sometimes and have conversations skype calls so True. it's you start to build relationships with people and i think that was one of the big um factors because um it's just one of those things where we have the tendency to kind of stay in our own silo uh but it, it, things tend to become or tend to grow exponentially when you start to branch out and talk to other people. They're more, they're also more willing to share your content afterwards because they know who you are, they know what kind of person you are, um, what kind of content you put out uh, that is trustworthy, etc., and and vice versa, um, and just little things that, in the end, uh, end up helping move things forward, as well. Nice. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, so <laughs> Anthony, just because I'm not very social savvy uh, or social media savvy, and so like, were you? From the beginning, were you? Did you consider yourself to be that? And like, what, like, what? What are some things that I could kind of do to, like you said, go on Facebook or sorry, go on Google, go on YouTube, search those videos. Like, is that what I have to do to like? I could barely get a post up on Instagram. Like that's something <laughs> that these guys taught me. So yeah. I was just like, um, what could you? Or I'd, maybe is that something you would recommend that like most people should be doing? Yeah, ah, yeah. So uh, initially, I was I the extent of my social media savviness was just posting personal pictures, and then that's that's literally it. I did nothing else. But then I, with time, you start to get um, you start to get used to things. So I guess it's just kind of you you also learn from others. That's a, another big one. So what, what I would say the first step is getting started. Um, because instead of doing the research, just if you're looking to open a Facebook page, a business Facebook page, get it started from there. I mean, there's the basic stuff, you profile picture and that kind of stuff, and then trying to share it afterwards. And um, but you kind of have to decide where you also want to go with it before you start anything. That's the first thing. So are you is it your personal page? Is it your professional page? Is it do you have a, a separate business that you're that you're starting on the side and you have to kind of decide what kind of content you'll be putting out? Um, so I think that, that all goes into the process of of um, what kind of content you'll be putting out. In terms of how to start, I would say just get started. That's the number one thing, and then you'll learn as you go. I mean, you can if there's stuff you don't know, you can ask questions to people who are who have a little more experience. If not, you can if there's something you want to do, Google it. That'll be my first step, and you'll I'm sure you'll get the answer within five minutes. Um, and as you move along, you'll also see how other people are doing it, and you're like, oh, I actually kind of like that. And um, and I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you 
you, I mean, you can, copying is not really a bad thing. It's actually kind of uh, a compliment to the person. You're not copying the content. You're copying the way they present things and stuff like that, and and not copying in the pure sense, but um, just kind of being inspired by. So okay. look at the way other people are presenting it, and like you know, sometimes you'll see Instagram videos with like a a panel with wording and a picture, and then a video on the side, and you're like, oh, I want to do that. And then after you know, you can just message them and ask them what what editing app are you. That's what I did. I you know what editing app are you using? Oh, I'm using this app. Perfect. I downloaded it. Started doing something similar. Um, cause it's not, I mean, the rights are not reserved to that one person. There's right. something, they're doing right. something that's really cool. And now if you look at the majority of exercise videos, they have a panel with an exercise yeah. with a, like a, like a scapula, a title and a video playing. And that's yeah. coming from a couple of apps that are all doing that. So, and then you can edit them on your mm -hmm. phone too, which is, which is where a lot of the convenience comes from. You don't need a, you, I mean, the laptop is easier for sure than the phone cause it's smaller, but, mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to make it as convenient as possible to record, edit and post right away. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend um, that someone like kind of hide their personal profile on Facebook, for example, um, so that when people search, they only line on their business profile? Like, I guess this is also like a general question because um, uh, a lot of students like in their internships, they're taught to be like uh, professional and kind of go through all these rules. And like, I don't know, how do you go about that? Um, that's a great question. So. When Facebook changed their algorithm to prioritize what your friends, um, so they prioritize your posts are prioritized toward the people that you're friends with, um, and the people that specifically click on and say, I want to see, prioritize this content on your Facebook page. Um, so in the end, I kind of had to merge my personal profile and started accepting um, Facebook requests from people around the world that I, you know, that were trustworthy, obviously not like spam related. Uh, and from there, because if I share a post now with my business page, then my friends are going to see it. And now my friends circle has increased, but not because they're, it's like, it's just, it's increased, but that's, that's essentially what people have to start doing is that they're, I don't think your personal profile starts blending with your business profile. So in the end, I think it's, <clears throat> the problem is, um, I don't know, if you want a certain amount of privacy, yeah. I think we're slowly starting to lose that. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I think we're going to move away from, if, especially if you have a business and stuff like that, I think we're going to end up moving away from posting pictures on, on Facebook about like, I don't know, certain, like your daily life. Uh, there's less and less of that and more and more business posts, at least in my feed. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend to just post less about my life and more about the business now. And now I've kind of assumed that like the two are one Okay. Yeah, like my, my personal profile now is the founder and president of Info Physiotherapy, and then I have my business page, and I try to keep the two, like, they're, they're one and the same now. Okay. I, my personal profile is not much, like, it's, you know, you, you clean up the pictures, that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> not that it's, like, not that there was bad stuff, but, like, it's just, yeah. um, you just make it, like, keep it as simple as possible, because if there's people that are your friends, too, then, I mean, how much of your life do you want them to know? So, mm -hmm. like, if there's certain things you don't want them to know, then you just, you know, delete certain things, that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think, I mean, you shouldn't have your whole life out there, too. So, yeah, sure. uh, now I try to keep it to a bare minimum and stuff like that and just focus on, on like, my, my personal and my business are kind of together now on Facebook. Okay. Right? Yeah, on Instagram, it's a little easier because you can have, like, a personal profile and an actual business profile. The and they can stuff. be completely separate, which is, the, which is why a lot of people go that route, too. They'll have, like, a... Uh, a personal profile and then like a Anthony Tioli physio profile for like patients and stuff like that. So then that that's a little easier to do on Instagram. But on Facebook, if you want the algorithm on your side at the moment, then you'd probably have to start kind of merging. Yeah, merging them and kind of moving away from there being too much uh, personal on your personal and try to open that circle a bit so that you know okay. the people that you're accepting into your circle are going to start seeing posts that you share. That makes sense. It's very interesting. Kind of making me think about uh, we had a guest uh, Johnny Lickery. He's a 
a graduate from the exercise science program over here, and he has Great a guy. he has a he has his own gym uh, in around Saint Leonard, I believe. Um, and he was talking about how um, it's important to kind of get your brand and to make sure you're consistent with your brand. And like one of the tips he gave us is that oh oh yeah, because we had one of our teachers that knows him. Uh, he told us, okay, make sure when you guys interview him, all all of you guys wear red shirts. And we were kind of wondering why are we wearing red shirts. So we asked him, and he's like, that's my brand. I always wear a red shirt. And like that, people always recognize me as I'm the bald guy with always the red <laughs> shirt and with that, yeah. big guns, I guess, right? Yeah. That's that's his, that's his brand, and yeah. he's always consistent with that. So that was one of the tips that I thought about. Um, another, talking about prioritizing your newsfeed. Um, guys, if you're not already, if you haven't already prioritized the Watts podcast on your <laughs> Facebook newsfeed, make sure you do it now like that. You don't miss any of our posts, Jeez. any of our episodes. Um, so all you have to do is go up at the top left on newsfeed. Uh, you click those three little buttons, go on preferences and prioritize who you, who to see first. Make sure you prioritize the Watts podcast, follow info physiotherapy, and, uh, you won't miss any of our posts. Cool. So by you talking about these facebook algorithms like um my question is like how do you find this out like it makes sense but how do you even know about these things um well the internet. yeah the well the end yeah exactly <laughs> you just the literally internet. google like facebook. well uh to be honest it's, it was a bit of a learning curve because at one point i was not doing anything different and i got a drastic decrease in my reach and that's something you'd notice because you know you're just yeah. you're always taking a look at your stats and you're like okay this week went well and then the next week you're like I posted the same amount of times. I had the same amount of posts. They were equally as provocative, anything like that. Or, <laughs> you know, there was nothing yeah, really yeah, that yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you get a 50% drop in reach and you're like, what happened? Or 50% drop in the amount of likes you get per week. So you re um, So yeah. then I'm there and I'm like, I don't understand. And then after, as you start talking to different people in the field, you're like, did you get that too? And you're like, oh, yeah, I got it too. And then after you're like, okay, something's up. And then after someone's like, oh, they just launched a thing saying, and then after you'll uh, like HubSpot, uh, I think posted a, a an article on it and like understanding the algorithm, okay, and different people will start to summarize it in more layman's terms so that yeah. people who aren't super familiar with it kind of get an understanding because it really does get complex. Um, but the algorithm itself is a bit of a mystery too. Like it's a lot of trial and error. You see what works, yeah, you see what yeah, doesn't. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially it. It's constantly changing, and eventually it'll change again, and we'll have to readapt. But that's the beauty of of taking a look also at your stats is that you know when something's up. And yeah, I had yeah. a feeling. I just I didn't have the answer. Yeah. And my first guess would not have been that like Facebook worked on their algorithm. For me, it was just like, um, okay, I'll I'll kind of like take a look at my content and see if anything that yeah. week was just not as out there yeah uh and then reevaluate and kind of check afterwards but then after when i started speaking to other people it kind of kept coming up and we're like no no no, i have the same problem too and i'm like oh okay and then realized uh, that it was that okay, okay. yeah so we kind of found out just by chatting with other people and then uh but not that i went to go look for that first but now now that i you no, know and now yeah. that i know i the next time anything okay. like that happens i'll go straight to like a facebook forum or something and be like okay. what happened <laughs> the <hell> happened? <laughs> before before we move away from the social media um so one last question is like, what are your like biggest tips for, uh, you to know, getting to, to increase, <laughs> increase your <laughs> following yeah. on all social media? Um, yes. My biggest tips probably be post high quality content. Um, mm -hmm. And I usually define that as, um, and I mentioned this on, on, a, on another podcast too, was uh, value over vi virality. So just in the sense of try and focus on really providing as much value to the people who are following you. Uh, but don't focus too much on like kind of becoming famous in terms of like just sharing something that'll get a lot yeah. of likes because in the end it kind of like you said you have your brand right and in the end if that's what you want to be if you, you don't want to be known for that then you got to be careful with that as well um, like don't 
stoop down to the level of clickbait articles and that kind of stuff and yeah, yeah. making the, the title can be attractive the title can make you want to click on it that's not clickbait yeah clickbait is something that's just very um misleading so yeah, the three yeah. best exercises for low back pain just doesn't <laughs> exist so yeah. what ends up happening is it's a trap that leads people into reading it and they have these false expectations that these three exercises are the cure to all back pain mm. and then they do them and they're like I, you know either it helped a bit or it didn't help at all but in the end someone's getting disappointed so um really value over virality so focus on high quality content um be patient that's another one because I, I learned that the hard way and be consistent is probably the third one that i would uh, that i would mention just because um i would i think i would have regretted it had i pulled the plug at six months yeah so so <laughs> looking back it's one of those things where you're like oh my god thank god i continued <laughs> yeah yeah so i was really glad to have uh, kind of pushed through it and said you know what i'll, I'll continue and uh, glad to have the support that I had at that time to kind of push me forward and said, no, 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 continue, go on with it, trust me, it'll, it'll pay off. And then you're like, okay, fine. And then you continue with it and yeah, surely enough, things start to pick up. So cool. you actually have uh, three available online courses on your website, Info Physiotherapy. Yep. And um, what's cool is that on our last episode, we had Lee Hill, who's, uh, he did his PhD in like genetic risk factors for shoulder injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also head coach for uh, the swim team at University of Cape Town in South Africa. Very nice. And he was able to make money through, with like all his research he did uh, by becoming, he kind of became a high performance like swimming consultant and he would give uh, lectures to like different organizations and he would get paid for that. Um, and you've done something similar with uh, your knee osteoarthritis uh, research by creating an online course for clinicians about the assessment and management of knee. Uh, oh, wait, I'm curious to know. Um, was that something you had in mind when you had started out at first doing info physiotherapy? Um, I knew that. So the decision to start providing online continuing education in the form of lectures and courses only came about maybe six months ago. Um, the reason, like the, the hard part was at one point I had 10,000 followers and I'm like, well, um, I need to do something more to sustain the project. If not, then I mean, there's only so much I can invest before, uh, before having to pull the plug. So I said, okay, well, how can I give back in a more, um, in a larger way and, you know, to, to, to be able to to help people who maybe don't have access to, to continue education or, or places where people don't tend to go for life courses because they're just too far away or it's too expensive to get there. It's not worth, um, or it's just, you know, the travel time is just too, too exuberant. So, um, I said, okay, what's the easiest way to kind of, to get that across to other people around the world. And the first the first thing I thought of was continuing education in the form of lectures and courses. Um, the, the idea was to make it as affordable as possible, to make it as accessible as possible, so it is online, um, and to make it as clinically relevant as possible. So that's what I kind of strive for. And um, that's, that's essentially where it started. How do you push them, the courses? How do I? How do you push them to the public? Um, so they're for um, healthcare professionals, and um, I, I'll, I'll advertise them through the like um, through the uh, social media profiles. Um, I'll uh, create like stories, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, that kind of stuff, just showing like for example, if there's a, a coupon code, then I'll post that up, or um, that a, a new lecture is up. Uh, but that's usually how I do it. And um, one one kind of other way to market is is um, to be able to offer, so, so the goal was not only to offer paid content, I really wanted to also start offering free content, which is why we re- I recently released uh, the latest one on scapular dyskinesis. Uh, and it's so it's a free lecture. You just go up on the website, you register, and which is also free, and you just go and watch. It's a 30-minute lecture on, on kind of challenging that whole idea of scapular dyskinesis. And so um, the, the goal really, to, in terms of advertising, is just you get the word out there. 
um, and then afterwards build up build up kind of an, uh, a small group of people or individuals who are kind of interested in, in, in learning more, yeah. uh, interacting with different Facebook groups, um, trying to see what people want to learn more of, so polling afterwards. and um, So it's, it really comes down to the interaction. So there's like the, the higher level of just advertising to your audience and then interacting with different people. Like I've had the chance to interact with Richard um, to be able to just kind of understand what people want to learn more about and how um, they may, might be able to help you and vice versa. Yeah, so one real life example of that, like one-on-one -on -one interaction is me. So I've actually personally uh, purchased the course. Oh. And for the main reason is that um, in athletic therapy, we we don't learn about knee osteoarthritis in our curriculum. And it's like through, again, reading about what uh, Anthony talks about, uh, knee osteoarthritis, it's the, the most common uh, joint disorder in the world. Um, and I wanted to prepare myself to... Uh, for treating that kind of patient population and also be able to increase my chances of getting a job in uh, a clinic after uh, after I graduate. So for those who know me, uh, I'm somebody who tries to always look at the available evidence for any type of injury or condition. And then when I learned all about the research that you had done uh, through kind of all the content you were posting through your social media stuff, I knew that the course was going to be like the, the best way for me to get a comprehensive look at the assessment and the management of, of that condition. Um, haven't got it through the whole course yet, yeah, it's but a, just for, two for and the, half first, hours. Yeah, the first few modules I've done, I've for sure learned a lot and uh, can't wait to learn about the rest because the rest is about the management. So yeah. I, I really appreciate that. that. Maybe we should get a Watts podcast discount code going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I talk about that at the end for sure. <laughs> with, that, with, with that in mind, I had one question that, that I wanted to ask. Um, with all the research that, that you've been doing, what's one like topic that kind of like that's kind of like like that's controversial, but that hit you the most when you like found out about it? All of them. <laughs> all <laughs> of them. Straight um, off. I just think a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that uh, I had learned in school. You kind of left school thinking you're like, okay, this is gonna be okay. And then you realize you have you know nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in in reality. So it's it's not that I mean they you know you start off with a solid or oh, a decent foundation let's say and then yeah, as you start looking a little deeper into things I mean um, I think the curriculums are lagging a little bit in terms of I mean Liars. And it's almost not their it's not their fault like just creating no, no, the course sure not, yeah. just creating the yeah. course I had to go back and then I'm like oh my god there's even more that like I, as I was creating the course people are publishing and I'm like everyone has to stop yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. keep like I have to launch this eventually and that was like one of the biggest problems was like I'd have to go back and be yeah. like oh, okay now there's another article or oh okay no no now I can't you know so I had to modify things accordingly and then I'd go on Twitter and then another something else is posted and I'm like okay I'll, I'll launch next week let me just fix that slide <laughs> and then I'll go back you know so then that was kind of like one of the one of the things so it's, it's hard to stay as up to date but the goal eventually will be to revamp that course in maybe about a year or two yeah um, to, to make sure that it is continuously staying up to date as well. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much all, like, most of them. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I mean, there's not one specific topic that, like, floored me. I would say that a lot of, there's been a lot or a huge learning curve since I graduated, and that's come from interacting with different people, having engaging in discussions on, on Twitter mostly. Um, and that's that's where people start to challenge, like, common beliefs yeah. and just things that we take for granted. Oh, yeah, that, that's, a that's, that's exactly how it works. And then you're like, but does it, though? And then after you start really reflecting. Yeah. Um, and I think the being critical is the number one thing that anyone should be of my content, of everyone's content. Just don't take it for face value because True. they... Um, they seem like an expert in that field, always questioned it. And, and, and that's that's the beauty of sometimes it's like I'll do a Facebook Live and I'll have really these really challenging questions. And it's, it's I love that because that's that's people thinking on their toes. That's people not taking what I say for granted. Yeah. And for me, that's super important.
what is the next course topic that you have lined up? It's oh, a great question. Um, <laughs> I hadn't so I hadn't thought it that far ahead. I actually have a couple of other people coming on board to teach. Okay. Um, so they'll be helping. Uh, I don't. I mean, it, things haven't been finalized 100% yet, so I don't want to like kind of shoot. You know, prematurely shoot the gun. But um, so essentially, the goal is just uh, there's other people that are also interested in teaching that I'd like to have on board. Who are um, so like I said, I can't be the jack of all trades, and I can't know everything mm -hmm. about everything. So there's certain right. topics I feel comfortable. Um, lecturing about and okay. that's okay and there's others that I don't uh, at all feel comfortable about so I'll have other people come on board who have spent their lives in those different fields to be nice. able to um, provide lectures on topics that might interest other people as well nice yeah are you like planning on you know taking that knowledge translation step uh, you know even more forward and then eventually teaching like going down the uh, academic path yeah, I think that, that, would, that would be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully with the PhD, um, I'll have some te uh, teaching assistant opportunities. And from there, maybe a teaching position somewhere in Montreal would be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, I guess, one step at a time. If it happens, I would definitely jump on the opportunity. Cool. Um, but I mean, I won't be creating my own online university or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the more in retrospect questions. Um, yeah. So what would you do differently with infophysiotherapy if you had the chance to kind of go back in time? Launch it earlier. Launch it earlier. <laughs> yeah. I think start. I was, uh, yeah, just start. Uh, I was uh, focusing too much on it being perfect. And I think, um, I think I should have just launched it earlier, to be honest, and kind of roll with the, roll with the punches, roll with the flow afterwards. Um, and it's interesting because the what really accelerated the process was me setting a short-term deadline versus saying like this will get launched this month and like six months later i ended up doing it three weeks before the launch <laughs> so in the end i think sh setting short-term goals that you can really stick to are better yeah. or a lot more effective than the long-term goals because uh, that's essentially what happened in my case but I, I think it was just that case of like wanting everything all the stars to align and then launching but then realizing that it's just not realistic so um just going through with it even though it might not be perfect and then tweaking it i i had people contacting me saying oh you know have you ever thought of maybe um modifying this on the website to make it more user-friendly and i'm like oh my god no i haven't and then i'll like contact the web developer and you'll work on it so it's like it's not going to be perfect when you launch anything but at the same time um there's tons of groups where you can also beta test where you can create a group invite five people mm -hmm. give them maybe free free access to the website like go nuts go take a look at it and give me your fully honest feedback and that's prior to launch and then after it's like a beta testing and then after you take all their feedback revamp the whole website and that's already one like review of it and then after you move forward from it from there yeah and then then you launch and then if there's any other feedback you, you go as you take it as it comes so what, yeah, you want to go, Joe? Go ahead. Uh, what's one book or online resource that you would recommend to a fresh out-of-school clinician? Oh, my God, there's so many. Um, yeah, it's always after recommending the <laughs> info physiotherapy <laughs> online <Yeah>. courses. <laughs> <laughs> Little shameless plug there. Um, uh, in terms of books that I've read that I really enjoy, oh, dear, there's so many of them. Um, I like I like Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Um, I like his I like his overall messages, and he has a couple of books out there. Jab Jab, Right Hook, I think, and um, and I just I like his stuff. I like his his way of getting through to the people, uh, and his messages overall as a whole. He has a lot of great advice on just social media marketing. So if it's not something you're familiar with, um, he's he's really really good at kind of like delivering a message in a concise yeah. way, and uh, telling stories too. So there's a, there's a ton of different books. I, I have a bunch at home that I haven't read yet, so maybe I could better answer that question. <laughs> but uh, that was probably one I would read 
uh, in terms of physio and just understanding pain, I think explain pain would be a really, really great place to start if you want to understand the oh, complexity of pain. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's explain that pain from David Butler. Yeah, David Butler, yeah. What a, okay. Yeah, and uh, in terms of online resource, um, th- there are a lot of them. I mean, it depends on what you're interested in. Um, but are we talking free or paid? Uh, <laughs> Ideally free. <laughs> Ideally free. Yeah. It's paid, not too expensive. Yeah. Out of school clinician, so uh, that means broke. Sp- so yeah. Broke. <laughs> so that means free. Um, I'm not too sure of much that's uh, that's free. I mean, uh, or what somebody one account that you follow on Twitter and you get a lot of value from. I was gonna say. Um, oh yeah. So okay, we can do that for sure. Top three. So uh, there's there's tons of people on Twitter who who put out a really good content. I mean. Um, depending on what kind of stuff you like i'm trying to think of people who post c- consistently but if you're looking for like tendon stuff there's jill cook there's uh, ebony rio that's just an example um if you're looking for kind of controversial really in your face and makes you think a lot i would say adam meekins yeah adam uh, meekins. sports physio so he <laughs> he's, <a great laughs> he's uh <laughs> could be very entertaining and uh, a lot of the stuff that he posts really gets you thinking and he was one of the first people out of school who uh after reading his post i was like in shock <laughs> and i was just like but how and then after you know uh, after reading his blog post you yeah. usually understand it's like crap he makes sense yeah no it does make sense too and like i mean it yes is a very particular way of getting the message across for sure uh but it's all it's all it's all in good fun he's, he's he can i mean i've had the chance to speak with him he's a, he's a really cool guy um and it's so he would be one just kind of challenging your your regular thinking peter o'sullivan is great for anything related to pain. Um, trying to think of some off the uh, like B- BJSM. Mm-hmm. They have they post a lot of great stuff. Karim so Khan is doing British a, uh, Journal of Sports yeah, Medicine. British Journal of Sports Medicine. Karim Khan is doing a fantastic job with that. Um, hard to think off the top of my head. I think we got a lot, honestly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got. Uh, but yeah, that's after essentially just it's one book or online research. Which we got a bit more than one, I think. <laughs> where, yeah. where are you publishing your uh, your work? Um, we haven't. So I think. My first one, I think we had published in Gate and Posture, and um, I'm not second one. We're still taking a look at which uh, which okay. article to publish in, which journal. Journal. Cool. Top three people to follow on Instagram. Instagram. He doesn't like Instagram. He just said <laughs> it. <laughs> no, no, no. I like Instagram. Um, I would say Rehab Science. He's uh, Tom. Uh, Tom uh, Walter has some really really great stuff up. Um, Rehab Science. Top three. That's tough. I would say probably rethinking physiotherapy has some really, really great stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough. <laughs> I think two's good. Yeah. <laughs> two's yeah. good. Two's good enough. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the most commonly overlooked or undervalued skill as a healthcare professional? The soft skills. Yeah. Cool. Being yeah, able to really, really um, connect. S- connect with the patient, uh, be empathetic towards them, reassure them, and properly educate them without scaring them i think that's one of the biggest things the words that we choose we have to be mindful of the words that we choose because they can have uh, a pretty significant impact on um, the patient in that moment and what they choose to do at home uh, and in what they believe as well so a lot of times uh, what patients believe is it's not ideas that just got into their head i mean sometimes it's something that they googled but a lot of times it comes from healthcare professional so we just have to be careful of the kind of stuff that we're saying to not unnecessarily scare them which is essentially like a nocebo um, so yeah, I would say just being able to really communicate with the patient. I think a lot of the the hands-on skills is something you can get better at. Um, 
your clinical reasoning you can get better at but the soft skills that's like that's tough so that's something that it takes a lot of practice you probably have to explain something a thousand times before you really find a great way to explain it and it's a way that you'll stick with um so that's what i'd probably say yeah it's really undervalued cool i agree (laughs) that what's your what are your some of your favorite hobbies that have nothing to do with uh, healthcare? yeah that's, that's fun um so i I really enjoy music. I uh, play guitar, bass, and drums, so that's something that's always uh, a lot of fun to do with uh, with friends. And I mean, it's been a little while, but uh, it's, it's always fun. Reading, I enjoy reading a lot. Um, more training, being outdoors, kind of like just hiking, kayaking, canoeing, that kind of stuff. Nice. So mm-hmm. yeah, just trying to stay stay active as much as possible, and kind of um, I'm, I'm big on learning, but it's not just on learning. Uh, and like as a physiotherapist but as a person as well like every now and yeah. then i'll kind of dedicate some time to learning a new skill like um i just bought an eight dollar online course on udemy for just to like learn how to um kind of uh go a little deeper into web development and that kind of stuff just because i'm interested or learning okay. a new language something that i'd like to do cool. um so always cool. language um so i'm, I'm italian and uh I, <laughs> my italian is not fantastic so uh i'd like to brush up on that <laughs> yeah for sure for sure the so place. before we move on to our two famous questions we have two, we have two famous <laughs> questions now. Great. um i was wondering uh for our listeners uh would they have a coupon code for any of your uh, online courses on uh, info physiotherapy yeah definitely we could set that up um it's not currently set up but by the time we finish the podcast it can be uh we can we'll call it watts 20 is the coupon code you'll have 20 uh, percent off everything in the store we'll uh put Ooh. the rest of the info in uh, our I like show that that's wow, sure. that's <laughs> you guys know um you want to go for uh joe your famous question sure so um if president antonio had to give advice to like uh fresh out of high school uh, not high school um university antonio <laughs> what would that be so if sorry can you repeat if, that? if if president antonio had to give advice to like you when you just graduated antonio um what would that be keep going <laughs> just just keep going and uh i think there's there's a lot of stuff that i kind of you, you learn straight out of school, even in terms of just the business aspect of, mm-hmm. of what you'll be doing later on and and uh, understanding, just navigating contracts and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of advice I kind of, I think I would have given myself just to be um, a little more savvy in life aspect of things. So like, you know, sometimes you're great in the sciencey stuff and you're great in, in physiotherapy stuff but when it comes to real life stuff, mm-hmm. uh, starting opening a business, that kind of yeah, stuff. Like yeah. that's, that's stuff that I would like to have learned about a little more. But I think the number one advice I would have uh, given myself is to just keep going, push through it, uh, don't give up, and uh, maybe keep seek out, a, yeah, seek out a mentor who's kind of achieved something similar that that you'd like to achieve, mm-hmm. so that you can ask them the questions, because uh, that that does help streamline things a yeah, little bit true. in terms of you always having to search for stuff, and it's something that you can easily turn to that's achieved something similar that you'd like to achieve one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I never really had the chance to to. to that's a good one to really go out and kind of look for a mentor, ask yeah. anyone to be a mentor, really. Uh, I kind of had to do stuff all on my own, but um, looking to eventually contact someone to kind of like, you know, just keep in touch with and yeah, yeah. help mentor me through this, the whole process because everyone starts somewhere too. So. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's nice, nice. So for our second famous question, we're going to try out something new here because we used to just have that one, but yeah. we're going to try to add a new one. We put this together the other night. Yeah, <laughs> new, fa- call. new famous question new famous from question. the Watts podcast. Um, so... Uh, we're not going to add any further explanation to the question. You just basically take it as it is and answer <laughs> it the best you can. Okay. Um, so because we're called the Watts Podcast and we have a nice little plug on our lo- as our logo, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, what is your favorite thing to plug into? <laughs> Toughest question. To plug into? <laughs> 
a guitar. You mean like a guitar? Is that a guitar? So as I, as, I <laughs> repe- as I repeated, I'm not going to add any further explanation to the question. Okay. I'm going to say a guitar. Best nice. thing to plug plug nice. in and play. Cool. Yeah. I wanted to know, uh, Luca, what's uh, your favorite thing to plug into? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Watts podcast. There you go. Is that what we were trying to say? <laughs> wow. Great answer. <laughs> Tyler, your favorite thing to plug into? I like to plug into uh, my phone to listen to my fire tracks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Watts podcast. Okay, what's your body? My favorite thing. Um, for sure, YouTube videos. During my downtime, I like scroll through it, and you get to the with autoplay on. Yeah, autoplay on. You get to the like weird side of YouTube, and yeah, I'll exactly. you try to stop. Then you fall into that void of hours <laughs> of watching. You're like, where did the yeah. time go? Just, just two more videos yeah. later on. I should be in, in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> should be in school. And Richard, um, my favorite thing to plug into is PubMed. All there right. <laughs> That's All right. I think uh, we're gonna wrap it up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. No, thank, thank you, you so thank much you for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, Google Spotify, Play, yeah. everywhere. And uh, to find Anthony, do you want to plug in your details just for everyone? Yeah, sure. Platform? So, yeah. So, um, so Info Physiotherapy is on Facebook. You can check out our business Facebook page. We're on Instagram as well. We have our own business Facebook page. On LinkedIn, you can follow me. Uh, it's under my personal profile, so Anthony Tioli. Uh, and on Twitter, at Info PT. If you'd like, you can also take a look at the lectures and courses we're offering online at www.infophysiotherapy.com. And don't forget, just for listening, um, you get a 20% off everything in the store. So the coupon code is WATTS20. So WATTS, W-A-T-T-S, 20. So we'll let you know, guys know when that's available. Nice. Uh, all right, and I think people have to register to have access to your website. Yeah, so the uh, you just have to register. You create your own just user name, profile. Email is that just essentially it? yeah, yeah. Uh, username. Uh, so email, username, password, yeah. uh, and then once you're on the site, um, go nuts. Yeah, and awesome. I believe you have a few great uh, blog posts. Also. Yeah, take advantage of that, guys. Awesome. Really worth it. Miss uh, O'Reilly, Allison, <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for having Huge us shout here. Out. <laughs> Never forget again, 2018 <laughs> is the year. <laughs> All right, so that's it for us. Make sure you plug back into our next episode. It will be number 10, big anniversary, big guest coming. We don't have it yet, but we'll do something, <laughs> we'll, we'll big. Do something, we'll something big. big. And thank you so much for listening to this whole thing. And Until next we'll time. Until next time. Stay, Stay beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Take care. Right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. I'm so happy.